Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am thankful that, uh, as Randy said, we are a family. This is the family of God, and this is an important family, the family of God. And we are of one blood and called by one name, and his name is Jesus. Can anybody give a Christmas shout to the Lord this morning? Father, we bless you. We give you praise and honor and glory today in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You are great and wonderful and mighty. Lord, let your word go forth with clarity and boldness today. We give you praise in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. As you can tell, you may get out a little bit early today. You probably have plans for uh, lunch or something. And uh, we have a gift for you as you leave outside of all the doors. There are going to be people there to give you something as you exit the building today. You know, sometimes things are not always as they appear. Would you agree with me on that? I heard the story. I don't know if it was true or not. A blonde was traveling through Hollywood, California. And she was pulled over for speeding. And this blonde woman who was driving above the speed limit was pulled over by another blonde officer. And uh, she asked, do you have your license? And she seemed rather confused and could not find her license. And she fumbled through her purse and her belongings. And she said, I really don't know if I have my license or not. And the blonde officer says, well, now it's rectangle and it's smaller and it has your picture on it. And she reached in and found her small makeup mirror and she looked in it and saw herself in it and said, is this it? And handed it to the blonde officer and she looked at it and said, I am so sorry I pulled you over. I did not know you were a police officer also. (laughs) Well, I think both of them were rather confused. Sometimes people get a little confused about Christmas. We get it lost in all the trappings of uh, the tree and the ornaments and all the other things that go along with it. Nothing wrong with those things. They're at my house and probably at your house also. But the main thing should always be the main thing. Amen? And sometimes it's difficult to keep the main thing the main thing. So in our world or in our culture today, we have to maintain our focus and what is really important. When John begins to write his gospel, and of course you know he wrote the gospel of John in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, and uh, someone, you know, affectionately called it one-eyed, two-eyed, and three-eyed John. But uh, the gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And so we know that God incarnate flesh came down and dwelt among us. In verse number 14, John writes these words, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So prophetically, they knew he was coming. They didn't know all the particulars. They saw through a glass darkly. It was rather clouded, if you will. But they did know he was going to be born of a woman, a virgin. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. That he would be of the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew that he would be a king. He would reign over Judah. He would take the throne of his father David. They knew that he would inherit that throne and reign forever and ever over the house of Jacob. It would be an 
eternal, eternal kingdom. They knew he would be king and savior and healer. He would die and resurrect from the grave. All of this was prophetically known from scripture hundreds of years before he was ever born. Matter of fact, Isaiah began to prophesy about 700 years before that Christmas Eve. And he talked about a virgin giving forth, uh, birthing a son and would call his name Emmanuel. And this is what he would look like. This is his nature. This is how he would rule. But it was rather obscure. There wasn't a clarity about it. It was just bits and pieces and parcels. And sometimes when we see something coming to us, it's not always as it appears. There's an old story, and I think it is worth telling it again today, about a father and a son who had a little rocky relationship. The son grew up, the father was really uh, focused on his career and his business, and he did quite well. Matter of fact, he became a multimillionaire. And he had spent so much time with his business, he had neglected his son as he was growing up. But... When he got to be a teenager, they tried to reconnect, spend some more time together. And the son is uh, getting ready to graduate. And he tells his dad, he said, Dad, I'd, I'd really like to have this car I see down at the dealership. And obviously his father was well able to buy the car, or two or five or ten, because he was very wealthy. And so as it got closer to graduation, he's expecting this gift and the graduation ceremony goes through. And the father, after the graduation, asked him into his study. He had an office in his home. And when he came in, he thought, okay, today's the day that dad's going to give me my car. And his dad had a small gift wrapped on his desk. And he slid it across the desk. And he said, son, here's your graduation present. And he opened it up, and it was a Bible. It had his name embossed in gold on the Bible. And the son was so disappointed, he shoved it back and he said, really, Dad? And all of those years of neglect and hurt and pain came back to him and he stormed out of the office and he never saw his dad again for years and years and years. He went on to college. Of course, his uh, college was already paid for. It was already in the mix. He had already enrolled. And so from graduation, he was getting ready to go to college. He went there, got his degree, did well in business also, got married, had a son, never let his father see the son, didn't invite him to the wedding, had another son, and that father never saw his second grandson either. He totally shut his dad out of his life. And then the word came that his father was dying. So he was going back to see his dad. And before he got there, his dad died. And that son went into that huge home. And with a heavy heart, thinking about all the years that they were apart, never got to see his grandkids. And he went into his dad's office and there... On the bookshelf was still that box with the Bible that he had never accepted and shoved it back to his dad. And he went over and he picked up the Bible and he noticed there was a place marked in it and when he opened it up, it was turned to Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give gifts to those who obey him. And there was a key lying there in the pages of that Bible. 
And that son went out to the garage. It was about a four-car garage. And the very end bay was the car that he had picked out for his graduation present. Sometimes the greatest gifts in your life are not wrapped like you think they should be wrapped. Sometimes the greatest gift in your life comes to you and it comes to me and it doesn't look like it's a gift. Matter of fact, it looks like it's filled with pain or hurt or sorrow. And, and, and here in this story, obviously, there was a lot of pain and sorrow. If that young man would have only embraced the gift that his father had given him and opened it, how many of you know this whole chapter of his life would have turned out differently? And I wonder for you and I, if there are things that come to us that are painful and sorrowful and hurtful, if we would just embrace it in faith, I wonder if it would turn out a little bit different in some of the chapters of our life. Can I hear an amen? I think for me it probably would. Sometimes gifts come wrapped in strange packages. Have you ever done that to someone? You got a big box and put another box inside the box and a box inside the box and a box inside the box. I've done that before. Maybe you're given a ring and they think, oh, I'm going to get a ring. And all of a sudden you give them a big package. And they said, there's no ring in this, but I mean, it's kind of like a Russian doll. There's something in here and here and here and here. And finally you get down to the ring. So it wasn't what you thought it was as it appeared, right? And sometimes life throws that at us. Do you know that we spend over $9 billion in Christmas paper? We spend more on Christmas paper than some countries have as their gross GDP. Over $9 billion. We have enough Christmas wrappings to cover 6,000 NFL football fields. We spend not only $9 billion worth of wrapping paper, but 16 billion packages of tags and bows 372 million greeting cards and 30 million Christmas trees every year. Boy, that's a lot of stuff, right? And so when you look at this, you think, well, you know, all these wrappings, all these things that we wrap things up with, and we try to, you know, uh, uh, give and extend to those uh, that we love and friends and family, and those are all good things, but sometimes it's not what it appears to be. Do you realize that many years ago the armies of Israel were facing the Philistines and every day for 40 days, matter of fact every morning for 40 mornings the giant of the Philistines come out and he made a challenge to Israel. He said, send me a man. Send me a man to fight. If I win, you'll be our servants. If you win, we'll be your servants. Uh, we'll serve your God. You can serve our gods. And, and, of course, their gods are not gods, right? They're just idols and images. And so for 40 days, he goes out, and he's making this challenge. And Israel needs, if you will, a savior or a warrior or someone to accept the challenge. And they had one. But he didn't look like what they expected. And he didn't appear exactly the way they thought he would appear. You see, he appeared as the messenger boy. He appeared as the one that was too young to be in the army. And now he shows up, this kid that's a teenager who is a shepherd, and his older brother reminded him, you're a small time shepherd, right? And I think you have a naughty heart, and I think you're here for the wrong reason, but God sent the package. It was just wrapped in a different way. It was wrapped in a young boy who would be the one who would deliver them from the giant. 
And this one who delivered them was not who they expected. Could it be the challenges that you're facing today, the challenge, the greatest challenge that you have today, may be wrapped in a strange package, and it's the very thing that will cause you to fight again and hope again and love again and try again? Because sometimes in my life, I've found the things that I've embraced and the challenges I have are not the things that I wanted to unwrap. Is anybody else like that? But it helped you. It, it challenged you. It, it changed you. In, in 1809, if I could take you back to a little history, in 1809, Napoleon was sweeping across Europe. He was headed to Russia. Uh, we think he was trying to obviously conquer uh, England too. So he, he's, he's going across the landscape and he's taking country after country, army after army. And there's a lot of death and bloodshed. And the, the headlines are Napoleon's making a streak across Europe. And of course he would eventually meet his Waterloo. And that's where we get the term. He would eventually meet his Waterloo. But... If we looked at the headlines, the headlines would reek with Napoleon. <clears throat> it would be what would be the very top build event. But in 1809, there is a baby that was born in England called William Gladstone, and he would become English, the, the England's finest statement. Then there was a, another fellow born by the name of Alfred Tennyson, and then in America, there was a guy by the name of Oliver Wendell Holmes that were born. And in the same year over in the, the land across the pond, there was a physician by the name of Darwin who had a son by the name of Charles. And then in Kentucky, there is a young baby born by the name of Abraham Lincoln. Do you realize that the greatest changes of history were not going to be Napoleon? The greatest changes of history were those babies that I listed that were being born in 1809. You see, the greatest change in history was not that Caesar was taxing the known world. The greatest change in history was not that the Roman Empire was in charge. The greatest change in history was not that they were coming for a census. The greatest change in history, there was a baby born that time in Bethlehem in a manger. And sometimes we're so focused on this, we forget God has wrapped something over here that we didn't expect that it's the greatest gift over here. And it happens in your life, it happens in my life. In the darkness of the Roman Empire, the people needed the light. They sat in darkness and there was a light coming. His name is Jesus, amen? And they needed a king, they needed a savior, they needed a deliverer, and one came. He was only wrapped in a way they didn't think he'd be wrapped. So when you uh, get up in the morning and it looks like a bicycle and you pull off of the... Uh, uh, the wrappings and the bows and the ribbons and it's a ring, you think, well, this is not what I expected, right? So if you look at Jesus, it was not what they expected. They needed a king to come, but he didn't look like a king. They needed a savior to come, but he didn't look like a savior. He arrived in a different package. He didn't come like they thought. He didn't come like they thought a minister, a savior, a king would come. He came completely different. He was born in a stable. He was born in a barn, if you will, not a palace. Why a barn? Why a stable? Why a manger? You know, if he was born in a palace with royalty, and he is royalty, right? But if he was, 
I don't know how much access I would have to him. How about you? I, I've, I've never been in a palace with a king. Never, ever, ever. The only king I know is King Jesus. I remember when mom graduated from college. I, I didn't know this till sometime uh, later, maybe about seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, mother was talking about they were having their high school reunion and and I said, well, Mom, I, I guess you're glad to see the people that you went to school with. And she said, yeah, I am. But she said, I'm a little sad that I didn't graduate with them. And I said, well, I understand that. She said, you know, I had you at 16, so I didn't graduate from high school. And I said, well, you went on and got your GED, and then you went to, to college, and, and, and you got your college degree, and then you taught for about 30 years. And she said, I never did get my GED. And I said, what? She said, I never got my GED. I said, well, you don't have a high school diploma? No. You don't have a GED? No. I said, how did you get in college? She said, well, I just went and I said, I want to I go to college. Now, this has been years ago, obviously. And they said, well, we'll just try you out, see how you do. And if you do okay, we'll let you stay. I said, you mean you've got a college degree and you've taught for 30 years and you don't even have a high school diploma or a GED? She said, that's right, son. <laughs> And I remember that she did really well in school. Matter of fact, she did so well that there was a reception for some of the top, top students. And, and, and they got to go to the, the, the home of the president. It was on campus. And, and he had a, a place, I guess the school, you know, provided for him back in those days. And it was like two-story. It was really big, biggest house I've ever been in. So mother is invited to this reception with the president of the university. And she's taking me and Steve and Dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, let me tell you, this is, this is the honest truth. Before we left, she set Dad and me and Steve down and read us the right act. I'm telling you, we are hicks from Oklahoma. We lived way out in the country. We may have got a, a Coke or a Dr. Pepper once or twice a month. And uh, you hardly ever went to town. And so mother set me and Steve and dad down and said, okay, we're going to the president's reception. You guys are going to dress up, put on your best clothes. And when we get there, you better act right. <laughs> oh. And we went in there, and Steve and I, we were small, and this big entryway, and I remember to the left, there was this grand staircase that kind of swept around up to the top floor. And we looked at each other, and we thought, would I love to slide down that thing? <laughs> I mean, it was going right through our minds. I'd love to slide down that thing. And every once in a while, Mother would, <laughs> okay. Moms, you got to help me out. How many of you have the look? Okay, I deserve a better amen than that. How many of you have the look? I mean, moms can thwart things with just the look. Just like. And you know that you know that you know. You cross that line, you breach the look. When you get out of here, there is something to pay, right? So she gave us the right act. And, and listen, it was great to be in the president, uh, the, the, the presence of the, of the president of the university. It's great to be in that palatial house, but that's about as good as I, I get sometimes. But listen, you and I, 
We get to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he came wrapped differently than they thought he would be wrapped. I mean, he came meek and lowly in a stable, in a barn, laid in a manger. This is totally different than what they thought he would be. You know, if um, the scribes and Pharisees had seen him come differently, they might have accepted him, but they rejected him. I mean, you do know that. They rejected him because they did not know that he would come that way. He wasn't packaged the way they wanted him to be packaged. Why is Jesus betrayed? Why is he spurned? Why is he pushed away? Because he's not the package they thought he should be. We live in a world today that is pushing him away because he is not what they think he should be. How many of you know he's everything he should be but not what they think he should be? They thought he would come and they would serve him as king. But guess what? He came to serve. He didn't come to be served. They, they thought he would come to fight their enemies, but he brought love. They, they thought he would come and reign with an iron fist, but he brought mercy and grace. He was totally different than what they thought he should be. When they are getting ready to stone a woman caught in the act of adultery. I mean, it is the law, right? I mean, if you're caught in the act, you should die. But he approached her totally different than the way they thought he should approach her. Matter of fact, when they have the rocks getting ready to kill her, can you imagine him kneeling down with her? And there beside her, he begins to write on the ground. And we don't know what he wrote, but some have conjectured this. They have thought this. They have wondered this. What did he write? Some thought he wrote commandments that they had broken. Some thought he wrote specific things that was in their hearts that he knew. How many of you know he knew their hearts? And I don't know what he wrote, but whatever he wrote, the Bible says the rocks began to hit the ground. And they begin to drop their rocks and they disperse because he said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And they begin to leave. And he looked at the woman and he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But he said, go and sin no more. You see, he didn't fit their bill. He wasn't wrapped in the package that they thought he should be wrapped in. He wasn't the person they thought he should be. This Christmas story is amazing. It is filled with prophetic words. It is filled with glory and majesty. It is the king who has come. He wasn't just king because he was crowned. He was king because he was born. He was king before he was ever born. Can I hear an amen? But, but this story is really just the beginning. It's the appearance of the Savior, the appearance of the Messiah, the appearance of the Redeemer. And now, as this child grows, we have some gaps. We, we have some places in the Word of God we don't see clearly even to this day. But at age 12, we see him in the temple talking about the Word with the most scholarly, learned men of Israel. How many of you know he is the word? But from a very base beginning, very humble, very meek, very 
lowly, poor beginning. You say, Pastor, poor? Well, the Bible says he became poor that we might become rich, right? Do you realize when Mary and Joseph went to the temple for that first sacrifice for not only the circumcision on the eighth day, but the cleansing of Mary, there were sacrifices that you could give, and the Bible starts out, but the lowest sacrifice that they had listed you could give was a couple of turtle doves. Guess what sacrifice Mary and Joseph gave? It's the turtle doves. Because that was the most least expensive thing you could give. Say, so, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They've got money. They've got gold and frankincense and myrrh. No, that happened later. That happened later. So when they came to the temple to give their sacrifice, they had to give the very minimum sacrifice. And I think this is the reason why. That's all they had. How many of you remember when you got married and you had your first baby? Okay, we're voting here. We've got to be some Baptists here. Okay. Uh, how many of you remember when you had your first baby? Okay. You had so much money and you were so well set up, it wasn't even an issue with you, was it? Have you ever heard someone say, well, when we get where we're able to have children, you know how I found out? Just have them. You're never able. Just have them. You'll make it somewhere. By the grace of God, you'll make it. Amen? Mary and Joseph, they're going there. Of course, it's not Joseph's baby. He's the son of God. But they're, they're going to the temple. They have to give the very bare minimum because that's all they got. And so in this story, he comes meek and mild and lowly. And here he is. But he's, he, he, he's headed somewhere. He's headed to the cross. He's going there as the song was sung this morning to die for our sins. But the rest of the story is really found at the end of the book because we're reading this time of the year about the incarnation when God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. But the end of this book doesn't really talk about the incarnation. It talks about the coronation. I was thinking about this this week. This baby that is king at birth doesn't fully realize the crown until the end of the book when you get to Revelation, correct? Now, let me draw a couple of parallels and I'm going to close this out so you can go on with your day and be back at five. But when David, who is a type of Christ, was crowned, your attention please, he was crowned much later than his anointing. He was actually anointed all the way back in his father's house before he ever made his appearance, if you will, publicly. So Samuel goes in looking for a king. God sent him there on assignment. He, he's wanting to anoint the biggest and what he thinks the best and the best looking because he thought it should be wrapped in the right package, right? So when all those sons pass by, and Samuel looks at Jesse, he says, are these all the kids you got? He said, listen, I don't think none of these are right. And he says, well, I got one more. I didn't even call him in for king audition, but if you want me to get him. And Samuel says, we will not sit down till you get him here. And when David walked in, God spoke to Samuel and said, that's my guy right there. I don't look at a man the way a man looks at a man. I look at his heart, not his stature. You're looking at the way he's wrapped. I'm looking at him in a different way. And so he's anointed king. 
And then later, his tribe, about 13 years later, his tribe accepts him as king, but the rest of them don't accept him as king. And then later, the rest of them accept him as king. Do you know it was a threefold anointing and crowning for David? It came sometime later. But when I read the book of Revelation, this baby who's born king, one day he's going to mount a white horse from the halls of heaven and he's going to ride back to this earth. And the Bible says he will be crowned with many crowns. He will have a vesture dipped in blood and on his name and on his head is all of the regal royalty of a king. He has gone from incarnation to coronation and you and I are going to be able to be a part of that coronation. King of kings and Lord of lords, this baby who start out what we would say is poverty in a bad place will be the ultimate king of all creation and all of the universe. That's the one we serve. That's the one who's lifted up. That's the one who's exalted. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Why a baby, pastor? It's the only legitimate way to get here. Anybody get here any other way? Just checking if we have any aliens here. But because if you watch the History Channel, you know, they're, they're, they're aliens, right? Oh. God help us. He came born of a woman because that is the only legitimate way to get to this earth. And that's how he came. But the next time he comes, he'll have many crowns, vesture dipped in blood, king of kings and lord of lords. And I thought about this also. Do you realize that he created all things, all things were created by him and for him according to scripture. He is the word of creation. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. We handled the word. We felt him. He is the glory. He is the imminent glory. He's the manifestation, if you will. And everything you and I see and sense and know was spoken by that word. And guess how he's going to end it all? The very same way. Out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. He began it with the word. And when he finishes it, guess what he'll do? He'll finish it with the word. All he has to do is say, it is finished. He said it one time from the cross. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. What's finished? The act of redemption is finished. You don't need any other redeemer. You don't need any other sacrifice. You don't need any other blood. It is once and for all done. Thank God. The redeemer has come. He's paid the price. He shed the blood. He's resurrected. We can be redeemed. But his ultimate rule is yet to come. He's ruling in your heart, in my heart, in our lives, but it's yet to come. This morning, before I came to church, I got an alert on my phone. I shared it with our security people this morning when I got here. Um, 
I got an alert from my phone that the United States Army had alerted the heads of churches across America and said, please be on guard this Christmas Eve in your services for terrorist attacks. This is the world we live in today. It's sad, isn't it? It's gruelingly sad. But I want you to know, when you get to heaven, you won't even have to have a lock on your door. Do you realize that when you and I are walking down the streets of heaven, you don't have to worry about dark alleys? Number one, there's not going to be any darkness. Number two, I don't think there's going to be any alleys, but if there are alleys, they'll be paved with pure gold. And so you and I are going to be in a state and a place of extreme safety and glory because this baby has gone from incarnation to coronation. And I'm glad that I've made him the king of my heart today. And he's the king of your heart. And if he's not, he can be. But if he's not, you need to choose him to say this baby is more than a natural baby. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, the Son of God, the Redeemer. And I need him desperately. Because when that day comes, there are going to come some with this view. Hide us from his appearing. Rocks, mountains fall on us. We do not want to be here when he comes. But there's going to be another group that's going to be saying, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because we are ready for the fulfillment of this kingdom. We're ready for the redemption of our bodies. We're ready for the consummation of the ages. And that will happen not just the beginning of the incarnation. It will happen at the coronation when he is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He's already that. The world doesn't seem like that. Because he's not wrapped the way they think he should be wrapped. But I tell you what, every time I see him, you know what I see? I see the right thing. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.